0: New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter, And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And uh, before we get into it today, you know, I mean, Zach, not to, you know, exclude you from the conversation, but I I, I would like to ask Nick how his recent, uh, our engineer, Nick, how his recent visit to New York was, especially since I gave him a lot of recommendations and I'd like to know if he took me up on
1: them. You did. I, I appreciate the time you took on that email um, that I know that was not a, a nothing investment on your part. So thank you for that. Oh, it was easy, man. Okay.
0: I was just sad that I couldn't
1: be here. I had to be my brother's yeah. wedding instead. But uh, but yeah, how was it? It was a lot of fun. Um, couldn't have asked for better walking around, whether it was like 60 and sunny. Took you up on some of those recommendations. I had a um, the $32 burger at Gramercy Tavern. Uh, was it awesome? It was delicious, yeah. It was it was the best burger I had. It, <laughs> it was is delicious. It was, right? it. Um, it was worth it. It was worth it. I have stayed by this place called the Meatball Shop. I got some meatballs there. They indeed had meatballs. They were good. <laughs> and then a couple a couple of drinks places that you recommended. Threes and other half uh breweries were were uh quite good. I had the uh fruit dream uh Berliner Vice, I think, at other half. Uh, that was, okay. that was really good. Um, and Black Mountain Wine House in Brooklyn. I don't know if either of you recommended that, but it just, I was walking by it and it had a great, uh, appearance to it. The patio outside, people were out there sipping wine. It was very inviting and I went in and, uh, yeah, had some wine there. So great time. Very cool.
0: So I have a question. Did so when you went to other half, so other half are like the New York City cool kids, okay. um, was it packed and like, what did the, what did the vibe feel like? What did the, who, who was the crowd? Cause they've gotten a, they've gotten a. A reputation recently and i'd say in the past year or two for attracting a lot of bros
1: oh really um so this was i went on like a friday at probably 3 p.m or something and i think it was a lot of people who like took off work early i didn't see a lot of bro movement uh no no white claws were snuck <laughs> in to this place uh it was just it was like a lot of young professionals i would say okay uh, and then me
0: very cool very cool <laughs> and uh you know i mean new york's the best so i'm glad you had to that.
1: yeah that was gonna be my hot take is that i'm on your side now and oh, seattle oh, sucks, goodness. And new york is, <laughs> is king
2: <laughs> well maybe maybe I mean, a pair needs to hire an audio a full-time audio engineer so you can go join adam in new york city
1: uh yeah yeah, you I got to see the new office at some point. I was I was
2: bummed you I didn't see do. it, but you
0: definitely do. I mean, it's cool. It's not done yet, anyway. So I think I think we got about two to three more weeks, cool. but it's coming along. I mean, hopefully they'll start painting soon, and we'll get some toilets installed. But until then, we're still <laughs> in the midst of of building, which is cool, but also you know insane.
2: So Adam, how was the wedding? And uh, did you drink anything good? The wedding was
0: delicious. Well, yeah, I picked the entire alcohol selection. Oh, nice, nice, um, nice. So yeah, the wedding was awesome. Uh, we had, gosh, I mean, so the night before the the rehearsal dinner was at a brewery in the area, which was which was good. Um, it's funny actually when I went to that brewery, you know. I, I've been of the opinion that, you know, obviously like hazies have taken over the craft brewery scene. And it was really interesting that like I was talking to this brewery in Montgomery and they're like, no, like no one's asking for hazies. Like huh. it's still standard IPA and like Pilsners and people want, you know, stouts and things like that. Like they were more still messing with like the nitro beers and stuff mm-hmm. than they were hazies, which was pretty – was actually kind of refreshing to see that like it's just not – everywhere because also the the hazy style as we all know is kind of difficult to do or do well not difficult to do but do well um so it's cool to see if like not everyone's putting it on and not everyone's asking for it um I then, you know, the, the day of the wedding was was pretty fun. Um and then that night, you know, we started the we got we got the whole thing kicked off with some Gruet, which I think you nice. can't go wrong with, right? Like it's a very good, very affordable American sparkling wine. Um that was a nice way to toast my brother and um his now wife Amber uh, at the beginning of, you know, the festivities. And then just a, lots of really good wine. The the best one was the the Nebbiolo that we brought in from Gidi Vajra. That was oh, yeah? delicious, like delicious wine um and there was you know some some pretty cool stuff uh A to Z we did their chardonnay oh yeah so you know cool like again and these were affordable bottles that were still really delicious uh we did the piero pan suave that oh. was delicious yeah. Um, and then like the booze, we did, you know, uh, four roses bourbon. Um, we did Russian standard vodka, which I think is a vodka that's really amazing that's kind of a lot of people are now just starting to discover. Uh, cause I think they're, I think they're just now pushing into the U.S. market really heavily, but that's a delicious, very, uh, you know, smooth, drinkable vodka. Um, for gin, we did Bombay Sapphire, but like, you know, I, I think we, we kept it kind of classic. We we had a good time. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of good libations. And then there was a local brewery that my brother brought in, um, some kegs from, which was really cool. Um, so it was good to have, like, nice to have, like, draft beer, uh, yeah. you know, as well. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I drank too much.
1: <laughs> yeah did you do any sabering of uh champagne bottles i've seen you do that a lot on Instagram. oh my god
0: no we should have though no there was not that this is this one of the few weddings too that the band was really good so oh, i mostly cool. spent like a lot of time on the dance floor and then next morning i think all of us were pretty hungover and i made the mistake everyone does of eating like five guys in the airport um you yeah, know, and then You kind of feel like kind of gross, but you also kind of feel kind of good. So that was the,
2: <laughs> that was the end of the wedding before I flew back. It got you home at least, right? That's all that matters.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's weird. Like, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm hungover, like I actually, I, I'm hungry. Then when I eat, I kind of feel gross, but then the rest of the day I'm hungry again. Yeah. Like it's a weird thing where like I'm consistently hungry, even mm-hmm. though the first time I ate, I didn't feel great after eating, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, you know you need to eat. It's a weird, like hangovers are weird, man. They're right. really weird.
2: Yeah, we I, I believe we did a a podcast about hangovers once uh with uh with Keith Beavers. So uh, folks, if you want more of our thoughts on hangover cures and and the like, you can go back and dig that one up out of the archives.
0: <laughs> oh, speaking of, we're gonna have a new a new podcast coming from Keith Beavers pretty oh. soon on the Vine Pair Network. Uh, but you know we'll, we'll talk about that as it gets closer. But you're gonna, you know, I gotta, gotta put the all. spoiler warning on this podcast. I know you'll learn all about the world of wine through the eyes of Keith, our tastings director. Oh,
2: it's not a a Star Wars-themed podcast? I mean, come on, Zach.
0: (laughs) He has other interests. Um, I know. I know. Yeah, we we will be presenting it pretty soon. Um, So if you are a listener of this podcast uh, and you want to, you know, get really geeky on Everything there is to learn about wine. So I know this one, we you know, is me and Zach mostly talking shit, um, but also really talking <laughs> about the business and the and and the world of beverages. This is going to be really an educational podcast. So really looking at you know, uh, you know, regions, um, grape varietals, you know, how, what a vine is in the first place, how wine is made, all that stuff. It's going to be called Wine Schooled. Um, and that should come out in a few weeks so we'll obviously in this feed push one episode through to you guys but uh but yeah be on the lookout it's gonna be awesome
2: yeah that's exciting i'll have to uh i'll have to keep an ear up for that one too and uh
0: always so so let's get into this week's topic zach which uh is pretty interesting so this week i'm sure as as you notice uh tim mccurdy um Got a panel of people together and, um, we decided to taste a bunch of celebrities' spirits. So the celebrity spirit game has, has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I think even prior to George Clooney selling Casamigos for a billion dollars, um, to Diageo a few years ago, celebrities have always sort of gotten into the world of making alcohol. <clears throat> but the one that it seems like they get into the most is the spirit world, right? There definitely are people who get into the game and make wine, a few that make But the majority of them make spirits, Um, and turns out they take it pretty seriously, and a lot of them are very competitive about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I mean, I guess you know, Zach, what do you think about the whole this whole world of celebrities making booze?
2: You know, it's really interesting because I think there's a there's so many different angles to it. For me, I think there's you know when you talk about this sort of celebrities being involved, there's the the previous model, which I think maybe it doesn't predate or i'm sorry it is not um out of date anymore but it's sort of the more like basically the celebrity is a just an endorser and maybe they have a financial stake i mean almost certainly they have a financial stake and maybe they're consulted on something but but you get the sense and, and there's a lot of a long history of this that they don't really you know if you ask them about the the product production or you know even anything beyond the sort of basics of the flavor they may not be able to tell you much and and that to me is not inherently interesting it's just advertising and it's no different than any other advertising campaign but i think you you put a good point which is a lot of the stuff um, that's coming out now and the the a lot of the brands that were um, sort of ranked and reviewed in uh, tim's piece really do seem to have a, a fair bit of influence from from celebrities and and it's it's interesting because you think about to me one of the things i always find interesting is you know what what kind of perspective do they bring that maybe enhances the product in a way that that wouldn't necessarily have, have been there had it been made by you know just some person who's works in the trade and i think i think it's twofold i think one is sometimes these the celebrities can bring a sort of for lack of a better word sort of a global perspective right like they, they are presumably well-traveled individuals they probably tasted a lot of different spirits in their time and they, and they really do have a sort of broad um, set of experience, even if they're not, you know, technically trained in in sort of analyzing all of that. But I think there's a way in which they can they can add that level of experience and and like I said, sort of more more global perspective. And and the other is, you know, there's maybe this sort of element of yeah, a competitiveness, maybe a, a fixation almost on a, a degree of perfection or at least near perfection. And, and I think that's also an interesting thing to think about is, you know, sort of, you know, do do some producers in in a variety of categories who maybe don't have, um, you know, either this sort of competitive nature or just, again, that level of experience, do they maybe say, hmm, seems good enough? And maybe having a, a celebrity involved sort of pushes that level of quality higher in terms of just sort of you know good enough isn't good enough
1: well i you
0: know i don't think that always was the case i think that for the longest time celebrities making alcohol meant that someone convinced them to put their name on something and basically gave them a percentage to basically sign them to a larger marketing deal right and i think that's that's how a lot of us still view celebrity spirits right that like so and so was given a percentage of the of the brand in exchange for being the brand spokesman for you know x amount of years it, on top of probably like a, an appearance fee, right? Uh, and you've seen you've seen brands do this for the longest time, and I think that's what people really have always associated celebrity spirits must be is is that. But I think over the past decade, especially with the emergence of people like Clooney um, and Ryan Reynolds and others you're seeing these celebrities who are saying like I actually I'm only getting involved in the spirit if I like it they they may not have the original idea for it sometimes they do sometimes they don't right it's debatable whether like in Clooney's case you know Larry Gerber it was his idea before and you know he he went to to George with it, uh, in Ryan Reynolds's case, I think aviation already did exist in some form before he got involved. But th- then, you know, once these celebrities have gotten, I think Dan Aykroyd with with Crystal, I think it was his idea. Um, but then, once they get involved, they really do get involved, um, and I think that that's what's really different, right? Like you, you have Ryan Reynolds really very much in the minutiae of the business, um, mm-hmm. and caring a lot about how the spirit performs, how it tastes, how it's marketed, et cetera. It's not just about, okay, cool. Like tell me when I'm supposed to show up and, and shoot the commercial. And when like once a year, I'm supposed to go to like the one big, you know, maybe tasting release party where a bunch of bartenders can, you know, tell me that can say they've met me, you know, now you have these guys and gals actually going to the bars with the spirit, you know, with their spirits, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. You know, it's, it's um, and it's totally different than it used to be. And I think this speaks to the diversification of, you know, celebrities realizing that like, they, they have this power, and they can now, you know, invest in things that they're passionate about. And in our world, that's you know, wines, beers, and spirits in other people's worlds that may be fashion or that may be, uh, you know, home good products or cars or things like, well, not cars, but lots of other things. It, but, you know, for, for some of them, they really like spirits. They like the world of spirits. And so investing in it and, you know, having a hand in its actual creation is really, really cool to them.
2: For sure. And I mean, I think, look, there's definitely a, an appeal to lots of people. I mean, you know, the, it, celebrities are People, for the most part, um, kind of like you and I, um, just with you know a little, a little more fame, a few more social media followers, and a lot more money. But they, uh, but, but I think in a lot of those cases, you know, in the same way that you and I have been. Uh, and i'm sure lots of our listeners have been you know captivated by spirits or beer or wine or all of the above and and would perhaps be interested in being involved in production where we you know afforded the opportunity or or had the time or the money or whatever it does not surprise me that they are that some celebrities especially are sort of thinking like hey you know i i i like this product or i like this this category and i don't just want to yeah. Sign my name, um, you know, to to a, a brand and just sort of like, yeah, like you said, show up once or twice a year and do a few commercials. But I, I genuinely want to know how these things are made. I want to understand the process. I want to have input. And in some ways, I think of them as kind of like an, a new generation of or an iteration of um the sort of traveling wine consultant. And obviously they don't have the same, necessarily the same technical expertise, but if you think about the the influence that these sort of traveling wine consultants, whether they're um, from France or from California or whatever, have had on the world of wine, where the idea is that these people come in and they don't make the wine necessarily. They offer a certain amount of um, expertise. They offer some suggestions. They maybe offer some technique that may not be well known, but part of what they're doing is sort of lending an imprimatur of um, quality and also providing some outside perspective to a winery or, or or whatever that may be looking to improve their product and, and to some extent, yes, improve their, uh, you know, up their profile. And I think that's often the case with these two where, where, yeah, the celebrity may not be bringing the same kind of technical knowledge that a traveling winemaker or wine consultant might bring, but they have a similar effect. You know, they, they sort of come in and they say, okay, here's, here you know, I, I may take a look at the the process. I may, you know, certainly taste the product. I may offer some feedback. And I'm going to give this, um, you know, the – the, again that imprimatur of in this case more maybe fashionability than than necessarily you know technical precision but it but it's an interesting way for people with that sort of cultural cachet to be involved in. and and I think in some cases has definitely helped raise the the profile of some some excellent product that maybe otherwise would have flown under the radar
0: well I mean speaking of that I mean the perfect example is and uh, you know it did not make our top 10 but it was very close uh, is singani which is steven Soderbergh's uh spirit which is i i don't even know where it's somewhere I, I need to look it up you can look it up while i'm talking about it but it's i think it's from bolivia maybe
2: i'm trying to take a look at this right now internet cooperate this is just real time real time audio, um, folks
0: but you know that's a perfect example you know he's he's you know steven Soderbergh who you know Oceans Eleven, all all that fame. Um, you know, this is his his spirit. He's very passionate about it, and he's you know he basically discovered it while filming in South America, right? And it was a spirit that he felt like didn't get him hung over and, you know, made him feel not gross the next day. And he really became passionate about the spirit and realized that when he came back to the US, he couldn't really find it anywhere. So he got involved and, you know, started the brand and started bringing it into the United States. And I think that, you know, those are things that are cool. Um, you know, some of, sometimes in this in this world of celebrity, they have access to things that we may not, and they're able to find things and, and bring them back to the United States. And you make really good products with them. I think the only thing that gets really tricky with celebrities is when they're sort of just taking a product that in a way is sort of like taking advantage of someone else's culture or someone mm-hmm. else's, you know, products uh, without sort of paying homage back to those people. So I think it can get really tricky, especially you see sometimes in, in the world of tequila, where yeah. some celebrities sort of put their name on a tequila, but like, you know, they sort of take all the credit for it. They never met, they never name who the, you know, the, the distiller is. They don't really let you know about any of the people that are preparing the, this product. And like at the end of the day, it feels a little bit like they're taking advantage of a, of a culture, um, and of a people. And so that I think can be a little tricky and you have to definitely, you know, watch out for that. Like it can never seem like this is, you know, the big bad, oftentimes white celebrity coming down to this, you know, this region and just helping the people and taking their, you know, taking their spirit and then taking advantage of of them and you basically using it to just up their profile. So it's tricky. But you know, I think when it's done well, it's done really well. I think it'd be really interesting to see how, you know, what happens now with uh, Dwayne Johnson or The Rock's new tequila that uh, actually just came out this past week um, and see how it does on the American market and how he sort of, talks about it and uh, markets it to people because I think, you know, he, he's someone that everyone respects, I think will do it well. But, you know, that's the one thing you definitely have to watch out for.
2: Sure. And it's interesting, too, in thinking about this, I was actually struck by what you were talking about when we were in our sort of uh, banter portion of the program, which was talking about the sort of... Uh, Spirits that uh, you had at your brother's wedding, and, and how, you know, oh, these are kind of these established brands. And it's interesting to think about how, you know, those brands came to be established because in many cases they were, you know, some of the largest producers, um, especially of, you know, imported spirits uh, here in the US. And so people came to know them because they were often one of the only spirits available. And now we're in this world where obviously there are many, many, many more versions of every spirit available in most US markets. And so, you know, those brands may not be able to rely on being, you know, essentially one of a very few set of options and but people still want to you know want something recognizable when they go to buy a, a bottle of um, gin or tequila or or vodka or whiskey or whatever or order one in a bar and having that connection to a, a celebrity and and again you know a lot of these are not all of them but many of these are celebrities who have you know pretty broad fan bases that are generally well respected you know i mean again you think of the rock and there's a guy who's you know what people have said he should run for president because of how well liked he is um i'm not sure that's a good idea but you know that's not my decision um i think that uh the, the so there's this way in which i think what what is, what you're happening with these sort of celebrity um Created spirits, or at least uh, more than just endorsed, is that they are creating this new category and this new sort of association for a lot of consumers. That is, like, I like this. I like this person, and this gives me a new sort of brand that I can identify myself with. And obviously, I think that's what when you talked about diversification for these uh, for these famous people, that's obviously a big part of what they have in mind is is giving themselves another access point to their audience.
0: Absolutely, and I think that what they're seeing is that. Consumers now are very savvy, right? So they know when a spokesperson has been paid and really has no connection to the spirit, wine, beer, et cetera, beyond that payment, right? Like we become well aware that so and so who's talking about a beer or something, if it's a, if it's a big brand is being paid for it as opposed to so and so who is a part owner of that beer. Um, and you know, we're really skeptical of those things. So the only way I think too that that celebrity power works anymore is letting the consumer know that that celebrity has skin in the game, right? Because without skin in the game, why why should I drink this just because, you know, such and such, you know, major – product paid you to tell me that it's good um you know but if i know that you're a part owner that you're involved in it and look you see that that's it's, that's really interesting you see that with um the evolution of matthew mcconaughey's involvement in wild turkey so you know he started as the paid spokesman and now he's gotten deeper and deeper involved he has a piece of the you know of the business and he's involved in some of the products they're releasing and i think that probably wasn't just that he wanted to get involved in that way i would have I would bet you that that was also because the brand started to realize if he doesn't take on a deeper role with the brand and actually have a hand in, you know, helping to blend or tasting some of the whiskeys we're releasing, people are going to be like, dude, I, I love Matthew McConaughey. Like, I'm a huge fan of, you know, a ton of his movies, but like, at the end of the day, you're just paying him to look cool and basically say, all right, all right, all right, and tell me that I should drink Wild Turkey when there's a lot of other celebrities out there, including Bob Dylan, who own a whiskey, and they actually own it and are involved in its production, so why wouldn't I buy theirs?
2: Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. And I think you know the last thing I wanted to add on this topic, because I think it's important, and it comes back a little bit to what you were talking about as regards um, tequila in in particular, but I think it's it's relevant whether it's uh, spirits or wine or whatever. One thing that I do look for when I look at these sort of um, celebrity-associated brands is – to what extent do the does the celebrity in question and the brand itself also talk about some of the other people that are involved? And I think this is one of those things that's really interesting to me because you know I I, I was I'm, I'm reminded of our conversation um, a little while back with um, Baxter Holmes when we were talking about sort of NBA players getting involved in production of wine and their – and just general interest in wine. And he talked about I think on in the, on our podcast and also has talked about in some of his reporting that you know one of the interesting things is that the uh, well some of the you know the NBA stars recognize you know some master sommeliers and stuff as this sort of, in a sense, a kind of kindred spirit, people at the top of a very, very, um, you know, challenging uh, profession. And I think that that is true, too, in, in a lot of cases when it comes to um, whether it's distillers or, um, you know, winemakers or things like that. And so I always look in these situations, you know, does someone besides the celebrity get credit? And, and especially from the celebrity themselves, you know, do they talk about, you know, who they learn from? Do they talk about who they work with? Um, and that doesn't have to be every last person. But, you know, I it's it's implausible to me that any of these celebrities are actually the sole or sole or primary, you know, producer. They don't have time and 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 it's a, you know, a very time-consuming process in in almost all cases. So, you know, if they're giving credit to to the people who in some ways are more day-to-day involved, it doesn't I think discredit the celebrities involvement. I mean, they obviously have in some cases a lot to do with the finished product, but but if they're giving credit, they're they're recognizing the other people who are involved. That makes me feel more comfortable in, in being um, associated myself as, you know, buying these products or, or, or recommending them to other people, to guests and things like that, as opposed to, um, yeah, the sort of previous model of basically the celebrity is the face of it, but they are basically just getting a check.
0: 100%. 100%. I think, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. So moral of the story is like you should, you know, at least try some of these products. Some of them are good. Some of them are not in the same way that a lot of the, you know, just normal – Human owned, normal human owned. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, spirits on the market are good, and some are terrible. Uh, but I think it's what we uncover in this tasting is like there definitely are people who who are involved, with celebrities who either. Care passionately or at least knew enough to, you know, employ and or encourage the employment of people that care passionately about these products to make good ones. So don't discount them just because you're like, Oh, this can't be any good. Like this is Bob Dylan's whiskey. If you look at the list, it was actually number two. Um, yeah. and it's, and it's pretty good whiskey. So, um, you know, those are the things I think for people to, to, to take a look at again and, and give a try, especially Ryan Reynolds
2: aviation gin.
0: Pretty
2: good. <laughs> you're just saying that because he like posted about it on Instagram,
0: which Lots is valid of times. Love Ryan. Yeah, he was all um, about it. Yeah, man, which is cool. Which is super cool.
2: Um, and it is yeah, really good. Gen, I will That's say. That's great. <laughs> you know,
0: we love him. He loves Vine Pair. Always
2: good. Yeah, we'll try and get him on as a guest.
0: You know, this has been a very interesting conversation. Um, if you again, if you're a listener, first of all. Keep an uh, ear out for a, a new podcast dropping very soon, a new series uh, led by Artesian Director Keith. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review, rate us, uh, tell, tell all the people you know, even people you don't know about uh, the Vine Pair podcast. It really uh, helps the show grow. Um, and Zach, I will see you right back here next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair podcast. If you like what you've heard, please rate us or review us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people discover the show. Now for the credits. The Vinepair Podcast is produced by myself and Zach Jabal and is engineered by Nick Patrie. We're recorded out of Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington, and also in our New York City headquarters. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair staff who help us conceive of the show every single week. Thanks again for listening.